Welcome to another episode of Making Magic with your host, Bradley Morris from Magic Media. This is the go-to show for purpose-driven creators to get inspired with innovative new ideas to produce your educational content, build thriving online communities, and turn your message into a movement. All right, folks, today's guest you might know from Fizzle or The Fizzle Show, or perhaps from Palapa, or Lifestyle Business Weekly, or Think Traffic, or Expert Enough. We have Corbett Barr from fizzle.co or corbettbar.com. And I'm really excited for the conversation today. This one is for all of you creators out there who feel like you're on the verge of a breakthrough. You're on the verge of finding momentum in the thing that you're trying to do, the business you're trying to build. And hopefully some of what we talk about today is going to just help give you some insight or inspiration to just keep moving it so that you can gain that momentum where things start to click, money starts to flow, clients or customers or students start to show up. That's where we want to get you to today. Corbett has, with the Fizzle membership, they have had over 30,000 members over the years. He's written over 500 blogs, over 400 podcast episodes. Like Corbett is a creator of creators. He's been working with other online creators for years and Today is definitely going to be an awesome conversation. So Corbett, welcome to the Making Magic Podcast. Thanks for being here. Bradley, thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And you and I just had a chance finally to meet recently and I had a blast. So I'm, I'm happy to be here again. Well, and something I didn't mention in the, the read-up about you is Fizzle is what really inspired our trajectory. Uh, I think it was six years ago when we made the leap from doing PowerPoints and PDFs to building the great e-course adventure, which for us at the time was the greatest online course on building the greatest online course we could possibly come up with. We spent nine months building it. And you guys with your membership model, the authentic way that you delivered your content and just how you showed up, you really helped us to, to just dial it in and be like, you know what? We can actually just be ourselves and build a business that's successful where we show up as ourselves, we get to be weird and creative and it's worked out. So thanks for that. Appreciate yeah. you demonstrating, taking the lead there. Totally. And I love to see people just embrace their authenticity and, and just to be a real person. I mean, yeah. I think, I think a lot of times when we get in business, we feel like we have to act a certain way. We have to be like certain people and it just backfires usually because yeah. people, people sense that. And also it, it's just so much more fun and easy if, if you are yourself, because there will be people out there who resonate with who you are and, and what you have to say. That's exactly it. And when you're authentically showing up, uh, there's a lot less selling that takes place because it's, as you said, it's a resonance thing. People are either going to resonate with you to be the one they want to work with, or they're not, there's no needing to be slick, old slick Rick and come on into my program. I guarantee success. <laughs> Yep, so exactly. For you, I mean, this must be an interesting time for you and for Fizzle and uh, with the creator's economy booming like never before and mm -hmm. people stuck at home for a year now. Uh, what are you noticing uh, as far as trends within your Fizzle community of like, are you noticing a lot of new entrepreneurs showing up? Are you noticing the people who have been in the game for a while are starting to gain some more momentum as the whole world's tuning into the Internet? Well, I, I just think there's a lot of interest now um, and it's sort of reaching the masses, right? Yeah. Because everyone, you know, is on social media. 
people spend time on TikTok, on Twitch, on all these places where there are streamers and creators out there creating content and earning a living doing it. And so there's yeah. a lot of interest in this. Um, but it, it's not new, right? We've been talking about this for a long time. I mean, you can go back even before the internet and people used to sell newsletters, for example, that were paid, that were delivered physically to your house. Now, newsletters are all the rage online, even though email has been around for a long time, but because of Substack and other platforms, people are paying for newsletters. So I just think it's, it's finally reaching the forefront. It's become something that the mainstream is paying attention to. Yeah. And if you ask kids today what they want to be when they grow up, they're not saying firefighter or astronaut anymore. They're literally saying they want to be a YouTube celebrity. So it's, oh, wow. I, I don't know where all this is going, but a lot more people are earning a living, creating content, yeah. uh, building businesses online, and there's a lot more interest in it. Yeah, totally. And at Fizzle, I mean, you guys have a full roadmap for people at all the various different stages. Do you want to just talk a little bit about what you guys do at Fizzle and, and how it can support budding entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs to get in the game and get some success out of the gates? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing is that um, business is this like incredibly simple thing to explain. You essentially have to create something that people want, right? You have to make something that people want and then um, convince them to pay for it. And even though it's incredibly simple to explain, it's one of those things that takes months and years to study and practice and get good at. And so People, you know, often have good intentions. They want to create a business. They want to attract people online, but they get stuck along the way. And we decided to break it down into a step-by-step -step roadmap that really takes people from the initial stages of, well, how do I decide what my business should be about? You know, choosing a, a niche, if you will, or choosing a topic for your business to uh, growing an audience, to using content, whether it be podcasting or um, video or written content, uh, growing an audience, and then creating a product and presenting it in a way that people will pay for. And just sort of methodically walking people through with exercises through each of those stages so that they can make fewer of the mistakes that a lot of us who just kind of wing it make. And yeah. you know, the, the, the real risk here is for most people is um, burning out before they get to that level of success that they're hoping for, or, or before they have a major breakthrough and just staying yeah. in the game. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who are entrepreneurs actually fail at some point with a business venture. All of us have stories of something that we tried to start that didn't work out. And for me, the important thing is to stay in the game and to give yourself an opportunity to try again if things don't go the way that you hope. Because yep. odds are, you know, we've all heard the statistics about how many small businesses fail and so on. And it's likely that if you uh, jump into business that you will have failures along the way. So it's all about learning, adapting, and living to see another day, living to fight another day so that you have more opportunities. 100% agree. I've, <laughs> it's, it's such a heroic journey to try to build something you believe in and to have it sustain your lifestyle and also be of service to the people you're trying to serve. It's, it's, I never would have started if I would have realized the journey I was in for. And I saw that uh, you've been creating online since 2005, 
same here. 2005 was the year I dropped out of college and started my first business. And I've been going full tilt ever since. And I've definitely come up to burnout many times. I've had plenty of ideas that have just completely flopped or lost me a lot of money. And as you said, like just the ability to, to get up the next day and keep going. And I think it's such an important thing and just ensuring that, that people learn the lessons that they need to learn from the last mistake that they made. And, and what we did last year was, has helped us to, I mean, this year is going to probably double or triple our best year ever. And it's because we built systems and templates. Like we just made it so that scaling what we do was, was so much easier. And so just as a side note for people, like if you have processes that you repeat on the daily or weekly basis, start to create a folder where those processes can be stored and where you can start to templatize those things. I think templatize is a word. If it's not, it really should if be. If it's not, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. You should start to templatize those things so that it takes less time so you have more time for living. Speaking of more time for living, um, I walked away from social media four years ago. I understand that you are seriously considering the same thing or have you already taken the leap? Uh, I have taken the leap in like three quarters of the cases. I've dramatically curbed the amount of social media that I'm using. I've gone completely off of all Facebook products, including Instagram, WhatsApp, and um, Facebook, um, and uh, LinkedIn as well. There are just a lot of places that, um, a lot of businesses that I disagree with, the way that they're doing business, what they're doing to society, um, the way emotionally that they manipulate us, the way that we feel after using them. And um, it was time, I think, to leave those things. But as a business owner, you know, you have to think about these. Yeah. Of course, it's, it's great just to operate, you know, as you wish with impunity, but also sometimes there are um, other sort of factors at play. And as a business owner, especially one online, especially one who teaches entrepreneurship, yeah. there's a lot to think about. And so in my case, I decided that even though I wanted to rid myself of social media, mostly I'm keeping a foothold in Twitter. Yeah. And um, that's just because that's a, a place that I vibe with. And it's because I have a lot of connections and friends there that I appreciate. Yeah. But I think that the concept of questioning whether or not you need to be on social media is something that a lot more people are asking these days. And yeah. I hear from a lot of people like you who say, you know, several years ago, I abandoned all social media and I haven't looked back since. Really, it's not as if you notice anything. It's not like your life took a turn for the worse. It probably did the opposite. You have more time, more clarity, yeah. more mindfulness because you're not on those platforms. So I, I hope that a lot of people are going to examine this more deeply. I hope so. Coming, coming up and uh, hopefully also it will make the big companies like Facebook um, change some of their behaviors. I hope so. I, yeah, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, anybody that hasn't seen the social dilemma, that's a movie for our time that, that everybody should definitely watch to just fully understand what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, leaving social media was an interesting thing for me. Uh, I was a daily poster for years uh, since like the beginning of Facebook and um, it is, there is this weird thing that happens where it feels like I erased a part of myself. Uh, people who were Facebook friends, I don't hear from anymore. Um, so it's just like, 
that's a weird thing. I made sure before leaving that I got all the phone numbers and emails of the people that mattered. And yeah. I stay in contact with them through phone calls, text messages. I send pictures, you know, old fashioned way. Um, and yeah, it's, but what happens is uh, there's this level of creative freedom. No longer am I on this hamster wheel treadmill where I'm pumping out content into the bottomless pit of the social media feed uh, to try and get attention in order to convert that attention into sales and leads. And instead of trying to get 10,000 fans, I seek out 10 meaningful partnerships or relationships with people who are in alignment with what we're doing. And we all try to leverage each, each other in whatever ways we possibly can. And um, I prefer the game of numbers that you're aiming for less relationships than more relationships to keep things as simple as possible for my own consciousness, as well as as simple as possible for the business model that we designed. Um, so for you so far with no no Insta, no Facebook, LinkedIn, like what, what are you noticing yourself? Like with that extra space that you've created for yourself or what are you finding yourself filling that space with? Yeah. Well, one of the things I decided to fill that space with this year is being appearing as a guest on more podcasts and, and interview shows. And I really cherish the time that I get to spend with a thoughtful host like you for a half hour or an hour or whatever, because we actually get to know each other a bit. Yeah. A lot of times these relationships carry forward to become something else. And if someone tunes in and they listen to a full interview, they really get this deeper connection with us yeah. than they would if they just flipped past one of our Instagram photos or, or something like that. So yeah. I think there are meaningful ways you can spend that time. I'm really glad that you brought up this concept of making fewer but deeper connections with people yeah. because I think that's really the path to success for most. There's this concept of a thousand true fans that uh, an author named Kevin Kelly wrote about quite a while ago. And whether it's you know 10 or 100 or 1,000, whatever it is, I think the numbers can be a lot smaller than people think because yeah. we're so accustomed to whoever the latest TikTok celebrity is with like, you know, 6 million views on their videos, that sort of thing. But there are a lot of people out there sort of quietly, more humbly, more um, intimately behind the scenes, making connections, doing good work. Oftentimes that means offering services as opposed to products. Yeah. Um, but you can build a very sustainable, very meaningful business by offering something to fewer people, probably at a higher price point, but that doesn't mean that you can't scale it. Like you said, you know, with templates and processes and things that make it so that you can offer something to more and charge yeah. higher prices, then there are great ways to scale businesses like that. And, you know, even for those who plan to create digital courses or something that they can sell to more people in the future, starting with services, starting with fewer, more meaningful connections actually yeah. allows you to create better work in the future. Totally. Because if, if I offer something to someone and I have to actually meet with them numerous times to explain the service, to implement it, to field questions from them and so on, I'm going to become really intimately familiar with the problem and the way that the solution actually works for someone, yeah. as opposed to if I just tried to create some software or an online course or something from, from the beginning without having that experience. Totally. I, I tell people that all the time we get members coming in and a lot of what we do is like building online communities or building memberships or courses. 
Um, and a lot of people come in and they've never, or they've worked with very few actual clients and students and they want to come build like this massive successful course thing. And I mean, my example is my background was in meditation before all this stuff between 2009 and 12, I, I led 500 meditation workshops and retreats around the world. And then I put my stuff online and it's since spread to 90 plus countries through apps and licensing partnerships in my own library. And I never would have had the success of what has been developed if I had not actually worked with all of those people before, because in that, in 500 workshops in two and a half, three years, I knew what worked. I knew what techniques to teach. I got very skilled so that when I got into the studio, I could have that high quality experience for people. And I think it's just so important. Uh, and for people to just, you know, it's easy to watch people like Jeff Walker selling $2,000, $5,000, $25,000 programs be like, I'm going to just skip all of the work and go straight to offering one of those. And really like we're on this hero's journey and it's really important to remain humble through the different stages so that, so that we can offer, you know, that the value exchange matches the pricing exchange and that it's okay if you've only worked with 10 people or a hundred people, like we all are where we are and that's all good. Yeah. And I, I, you know, the other piece of that is that one of the biggest risks that we face as entrepreneurs is spending a bunch of time on something that no one ends up buying or that, yeah. that no one wants for some reason. And, you know, we all have heard stories of that. And I think the the common view of entrepreneurship is that you're almost like an inventor who goes away in a basement and tinkers on something for a couple of years, only to release it to the world. And, and everybody thinks it's amazing and so on. But more often what happens is you spend all that time on something, release it, and then there are crickets and, and nobody yeah. actually wants to, to buy this thing. So that, that's an enormous risk. And back to what I was saying earlier about being able to fight another day, being able to take more chances. If you burn a bunch of time and money, that means that you might not have the resources to continue trying to be an entrepreneur. So you have to be really smart about how you spend your time. You have to yeah. try to earn revenue earlier rather than later. And a much faster way to earn revenue is simply by offering something of value to someone as a service that they can pay you for. Because again, it's often at a much higher price point and you don't really have to create that much before offering yeah. the service. You're drawing on your skills, experience, expertise, and so on to provide that as a custom tailored thing to one specific person. Yeah. Love that. That's a great point. Um, and just on top of that with, uh, uh, I had a, a coaching session yesterday with one of our members, Neil, who made the most amazing, uh, guitar teaching school called the pentatonic It's, it's phenomenal what he's built. And, uh, I was saying to him yesterday, like, cause his membership subscriptions have been low and I was like, Hey, the last like two years of building this thing you've been 80% artist and 20% entrepreneur. And if you actually want this school to take off, you've got to flip the numbers now for at least the next year where you're 80% entrepreneur and 20% artist, where you have to actually show up and do the marketing work and build the partnerships and find those licensing deals. And, you know, it's, it's something that we all have to go through. And, and over the last several years, I've definitely been more in my entrepreneurial mind then my creative mind, when we started building Magic Media, it was like creative explosions. And now I've had to 
build a business around that creativity. But now that we've built the systems in the last year or two that allow us to scale with more ease and, and to think less and act quicker, um, the, I'm noticing like the artist part of myself is getting the opportunity to come back in. And, and it's really important just to understand those ratios. And the other piece around like social media uh, that I gave an example is, you know, if you paid yourself a hundred dollars, if you were getting paid a hundred dollars an hour for every hour you spent on social media, creating content, commenting, scrolling, etc., And if all of that energy is you invest all that energy into it, if you're not getting double that return and people actually signing up for your courses and your programs, et cetera, then social media is not the ticket for you. <laughs> Just get off of there and invest that same amount of time and energy into building relationships and, you know, doing a show or whatever it might be. There's, there's so many other ways. Yeah. And I think the the problem with social media, not, not to say that it doesn't support a lot of businesses. There are yeah. a lot of people who, who use it as a, as a smart business tool, but there's so much of the fear of missing out and the comparison trap that we get into when we're on those platforms because of all yeah. of the virtue signaling and all of the, um, just, just all of the way in which people present themselves and their lives as being maybe better than they actually are. Um, it can be really hard to focus on using the tool for the, the reasons that you came there in the first place. And yeah. instead you kind of just get sucked into that creation machine of going through the motions to produce things that you think that the, the, the machine or the beast wants from you. And unwittingly, you're actually just attracting people to uh, the platform so that their eyeballs end up earning ad money for the platform owners instead yeah. of you actually using that platform for something of value yourself. So a lot of times it's, it's better to spend time um, building an email list, building a podcast, whatever it is that has less of that comparison game that you end up playing um, yeah. that, that's just so easy to fall into. Yeah. So for yourself, um, last year you did a digital essentially cleanse of letting go of years and years worth of content and resources. And I mean, you, you did a massive purge and I'll, I'll share in the show notes uh, for anybody who wants to check it out. You have, you have some articles about what you did. What for you, like with your business, what are your focuses right now that you're, you know, waking you up every day and getting you going? Well, I think over time, most of us who um, spend a lot of time online, especially if we're building businesses, we have to try tons of different things, right? You know, you just, you, you hear about, oh, uh, it turns out that like Clubhouse is, is the, the greatest, you know, new social platform. You got to try that out. And that happens like every couple of months, especially yeah. when you're just getting started. You just try out a whole lot of stuff and you end up creating a whole lot of stuff that doesn't, that, that isn't contributing to the core of your business or the core yeah. of who you are, what you stand for, what you're trying to create in the world. So we, we just end up with a lot of um, baggage out there. And if we don't actively clean it up, look after it, our digital selves are out there in a million different places online. And for me, it just started to feel like I needed to do some housekeeping so that I could wipe the slate clean and really refocus on what mattered to me. Yeah. And this is, it's given me like a tremendous amount of energy. I can't explain why necessarily. I almost likened it to 
um, I know you didn't work in the corporate world because you, you jumped into entrepreneurship right out of college, but for a lot of people who did, maybe you had a job uh, or several jobs before, that feeling that you got when you left a job or almost that feeling that you got between grades in school when you could like wipe the slate clean and say, that's not my problem anymore. I don't have to worry about that. You gain all of this like um, mental space and clarity. That's the feeling that I got from turning off a lot of the social media, from deleting a lot of old blog posts and other content and things like that. It mm. just gave me, it just gave me a lot more um, clarity and focus, which is something that I needed, I think. And um, it led me to create a bunch of decisions about the future of my business. I had, I think, for several years, kind of been going through the motions almost, and. Um, making excuses instead of making decisions about why I shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that instead of just picking a direction and moving forward. Yeah. And for people listening to this, you know, you were asking about how do people get started? How do they like have their initial breakthrough? Um, how do they make progress towards being an entrepreneur? I think the, the goal is to just get comfortable with uncertainty for a lot of us. Because being an entrepreneur is full of uncertainty. We don't know if we're cut out for it. We don't know if the market is there that we think. We don't know if we're able to create the products and services that are going to appeal to the market. There's just a million things. And you have to get comfortable with the idea that you don't know how this whole thing is going to go, but you have to operate anyway. You have to make yeah. progress anyway. And I think I kind of forgot that lesson myself. And I just sort of got in this holding pattern of maintaining what was going on but not setting new direction and moving forward. Right. And, and so by, by clearing a lot of that old stuff, that old baggage, I gave myself space to make those decisions so that I could move forward. Beautiful. Congratulations. Thanks. I must feel so good. It does for sure. Yeah. And for yourself, do you have um, any routines, habits, systems that you've created that really help you to streamline how you show up and do the work, how you, vision plan strategize all that sort of stuff i'm always curious on like how are you getting shit done while maintaining a lifestyle that's fun yeah a couple of things i mean one is um productivity systems i think are yep. important but the specific system isn't that important and yeah. it will vary from person to person because we all operate differently and i would even say that it will vary for you as an individual from month to month or year to year, just based on what cycle, what season you are in your life, in your business and so on. Yeah. So sometimes you'll, you'll um, take on a new productivity system, feel great for a couple of months, get a lot of stuff done and then the magical be gone or it'll, it'll wear off and it won't work as yeah. well as it used to. And um, sometimes that means that it's time to try out a new system. But there will also be some things that are true from uh, month to month, year to year, no matter what. One of those things, for example, for me is that I need clear, uninterrupted space for several days a week to just immerse myself in whatever it is that I'm working on yeah. and to not be interrupted by anything, not to be interrupted by email, social media, meetings, and so on. And that means pushing meetings all to one or two days a week, if possible. So that. the rest, the rest of the calendar is clear. I know we we talked about that before. Yeah. Sometimes it means that I have a monster day. You know, I think actually it was just a week ago, last Thursday we were talking, and you were at the end of like a, a seven, seven hour hours of meetings. Day. Yeah. Exactly. And I was I was doing something similar, but yeah. I prefer it that way because then it allows me to have Tuesday and Wednesday 
so that I can just um, hunker down, focus on the creative work. Because you know, yeah. you mentioned before, there's sort of that difference between the creator and the entrepreneur. I think there's also a difference between the the salesperson versus the the product person. And yeah. you know, on days when you're meeting a bunch of people, that's sort of sales mode. A lot of times, you're spreading the word, meeting new people, and so on. You're yeah. definitely not creating a product when you're doing this. Totally. Yeah, it's it's a very different mindset. I, I find the same thing having the space to just dive fully in and be able to have an hour or two hours of not being productive and then have, be able to find that flow. Yeah. Exactly. And are there any tools that you're absolutely in love with or incredibly grateful for that you use on the daily? Yeah. Um, I use a couple of tools, but I try to keep it really simple. I've, yeah. I, I found that if I, if I dive into a complicated task management, project management kind of system that I end up almost doing more work about work than work itself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's that you just kind of get hooked on operating the tool instead of the thing that the tool is supposed to help you do. Yeah. So, um, for me, the, the most indispensable tool is just a note app, which I use something called bear. It's just an app that you can get on, on your desktop. And yeah. uh, it just allows me to organize my notes really well. A lot of times I even keep to do's in there. Yeah. For more complicated projects, I use something called Trello, which is a free tool that allows you to just um, create little boards of yeah. cards that have tasks and to-dos and, and so on on them. And that seems to be enough for me for the most part. I find that when I'm most productive, I'm actually spending very little time in those uh, task management you know, note-taking apps because I have a clear sense of purpose, a clear sense of direction. And yep. it, it's really easy to keep all that stuff in your head when you're feeling that, you know, productive hot streak. Yeah, totally. Um, and we use Notion for a lot of our management stuff. And we hired one of our members, Jonathan Stewart from Simplicity Specialist. And he just helped us to really dial in systems and templates using Notion, which is been a, a huge time saver. Now it took a while to get used to using, as you said, like took a lot of effort to use the tool, but now that we've got it and our whole team uses it, it's been amazing. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. There are some amazing notion. It's surprising what you can do with that tool. If you really dive in. Yeah. Speaking of tools, tell us about Palapa. This is uh, one of your newest endeavors. Um, Tell us, so Palapa is basically an online community platform that, uh, that people can basically start their own online community. I know a lot of people um, in our community either do use Mighty Networks or love it, or they absolutely don't love Mighty Networks, but they're still looking for a space to build their community off of Mighty Networks, off of Facebook. They want to have their own private space. So tell us about the... Yeah. Palapa. Yeah. Awesome. So Palapa um, came out of a need for our own personal community over yeah. at fizzle.co. We run an entrepreneurship training, uh, coaching and community business, which we've done for eight years or so. And we were dissatisfied with the options that were out there yeah. as well. Mighty Networks, um, Facebook especially has a lot of downsides to it. And then there are more modern tools like Slack, but it ends up feeling a bit like a fire hose of information. It's not very yeah. well organized. So we created Palapa to, to fit our specific need. We used it internally at, at Fizzle for a year or so. And then we decided to um, 
adapt it so that it could be used by other businesses like ours. And um, since then, we've we have implemented it in a lot of different places, including uh, the author Eckhart Tolle, who is uh, really well known. They use Palapa for their community as well, and um, it's just kind of I would describe it as a cross between a uh, a long term searchable sort of forum experience and yep. a more real time ephemeral short-term experience like you would get with a Slack. And it's really tailored to online communities like ours, somewhere where you just want to have your own private place away from the crowds where your people can talk about what matters. Yeah. And which, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that because you have it in with Fizzle and Fizzle has courses, which course platforms can you sync it up with? It operates with uh, a number. Um, Podia is one. And um, also it works with WordPress and any learning management system that you can plug into WordPress because we have a single sign-on solution. That means your members inside of your LMS don't have to log in twice in order to pull up. That's fantastic. And I was looking at a lot of the features. I mean, you've baked in some of the gamification elements, which is awesome. And yeah, the, uh, yeah, we try to, there's a balance, I'd say, you know, and um, you definitely want to incentivize your yeah. members to participate. We, yeah. we give people some perks, you know, they get featured more as they participate. Um, they have a bit of a reputation score, but also we don't want to be too manipulative. Like we were talking about with the yeah. social, social platforms. We want it to be an enjoyable place for people to come and not something that they feel like is a, a requirement or a chore. Well, the design looks really beautiful from what I've been able to see. I mean, it looks awesome. Do you have, are there some tour videos so people can get a better look at um, what a running community looks like? Yeah, absolutely. You can um, head to palapa.co and there's, uh, I believe, a demo link on there. And you can watch a tour there. um, Or you could um, pop into either uh, the Eckhart Tolle Now community, which is they have a free trial, a 10-day trial. You could try that and see it, or you could dive into the Fizzle community. We also have a free trial. Amazing. High fives for getting Eckhart in there. That is so cool. <laughs> so cool. Virtual high five. Yeah, virtual high five. We, we, we don't touch people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's such a crazy time right now. Like it, the the whole future is, is being reshuffled, it seems. Um, and I really feel like there's never been a more important and better time to be a creator for people to find a passion to express their gift online. I mean, people are hurting and afraid and going through depression and trying to figure out how to get their life worked out. Like there's, there's so many opportunities right now to be a beacon of light and hope in people's lives that you know, what, what you're doing, what we do on magic. Like, I I think it's a really important thing that's that people find whatever their calling is and, and find that audience that is waiting for it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I have felt, you know, some guilt, I'd say. Um, I've also felt, you know, some sense of satisfaction at the same time over the past year just knowing that my life has been relatively unaffected. It hasn't changed that much during the pandemic because I've been able to work online to be able to work from anywhere. And my, you know, revenue income hasn't really been that affected. Um, But if, if, you know, it's a tough year for you, which it is for most people. Yeah. It also, like you said, there are a lot of opportunities. I think also that 
the world is going to change again here in the next year as the pendulum swings back and everyone is craving all of these like in-person events and experiences and so on. Yes. So I know, I know that we're all like really antsy to get out there and um, to get back to normal. But at the same time, it's also a really good opportunity during these last several months of uncertainty and being trapped, you know, at home in the winter and in, in, your, uh, in your home office to hunker down and, and make some progress. Yeah. Um, because I bet all of us are going to have very busy social calendars here coming up uh, yeah. over the next year. So on that note, somebody who's got an idea, they think they know what they want to do. Any advice or tips that would take them from the idea to revenue in the quickest possible way that they could, you know, before this pandemic is fully over, that they could actually start to get the thing going so they don't have to go back to their job or they can quit their job or whatever. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. I mean, one is I, I think a lot of people when they get into entrepreneurship feel like they have to come up with something that is completely new and novel and hasn't been done before. Yeah. But I would say that um, that's a bit of a fallacy and it's a very difficult place for you to start if you're a new entrepreneur. It's actually much smarter to not think of competition as competition, but to think of it as validation for a market. So if you see yeah. other people out there offering a service and seemingly being very successful doing that, that's usually a good sign. And it means that there are hungry buyers out there. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind is that there are um, somewhat, you know, uh, there are areas of the economy and especially online that are growing very quickly. And a lot of times that's a good place for you to get in to become an expert. If something is somewhat new, but growing quickly, and you can see that other people are being successful there, that oftentimes is a good place for you to jump in. Um, I've seen this happen over and over again inside of Fizzle. We have new entrepreneurs sign up. They're not necessarily sure what to get started doing. And we tell them just to pick something that is growing, that they're interested in, and that other people are successful in offering products and services around and become an expert in it. Uh, yeah. You know, examples of this could be, for example, uh, like Facebook ads, search engine optimization, uh, cryptocurrencies. There are all kinds of things that you've seen grow over the past, you know, five years. And if you jump in at any point and gain skills in that area, then you're probably going to be in demand in, you know, a couple of years from now. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the important piece in a couple of years from now that find something that you can do that and, and don't demand the success overnight that it, it takes repetition, you know, to go from good to great, you need to repeatedly do the thing again and again and again, and keep showing up and really like own that space and that role in the way that you're going to show up. So I, that's, that's what we tell people when they, they show up and they're, relatively new to building online courses and memberships. And I was like, treat this like your college degree is like the next two to three years, ABC, always be creating, know that like your first thing may or may not be successful, but you just, you need to have that first thing that you create and launch. So you go through the whole process. So the next one is much easier. Yep. And, and don't, don't let your, your ego get in the way. A, a lot of people, I think, know deep down that they, they are capable, that they have the raw materials to be successful, but they expect that it's going to come easy and yeah. they don't want to go through the, the hard work of proving that they're worth it, that they're worthy of the success. Just know you're going to cry. 
you're going to cry at different points in time, <laughs> either through disappointment, frustration, or delight. The tears will be shed and that's okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Corbett, I, we're running to the end of the time we had booked today. Is there any final pieces of sage wisdom or uh, anything that we didn't cover today that you'd like to share? Well, if, if people are on the fence about whether or not entrepreneurship is for them, uh, but they feel called to it for some reason, I would say, you know, keep in mind that there are, there is much more value in the journey than just the monetary rewards and the success. And I'll tell you from personal experience and, and from a lot of entrepreneurs that I know, this journey of figuring out if you have what it takes to identify needs that exist in the world and to solve them in a way that people are willing to pay for will teach you so much about yourself and mm -hmm. you will become a much more well-rounded person um, through that process. So don't gloss over, don't feel like you have to rush through this, this part of being in the trenches, struggling, figuring things out, because when you look back on it, you'll realize that that was a big part of the reward. Yeah. And we have the rest of our lives to become a success. You don't need it now. I love that. That is, uh, that's very helpful. Um, I will have all of the links in the show notes for this episode to any of the things that we've talked about today. Corbett, I really appreciate your time for coming today and for sharing some of your stories and wisdom. It's much appreciated. I'm sure other people appreciate it too. Thanks, Bradley. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks a lot. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's Making Magic podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. And if you didn't, remember, treat each other how you want to be treated. I invite you to come check out our Magic Media membership at magicmedia.com. That's M-A-J-I-K media.com. Our affordable, all-inclusive membership offers everything a purpose-driven creator could need to produce your educational content, engaging courses, and thriving online communities. The membership includes all of our premium courses, bi-monthly mastermind group coaching, and an inspiring, supportive community of fun-loving, dedicated entrepreneurs and creators to make magic on the internet with. See you there, and tune in next time.